At school, I had a good friend group. I wouldn't say I was super academic, but that didn't seem to matter much to them. However, one day it did, and we were separated. As they moved to higher sets, the people I was with didn't have the same drive and ambition for school. I wanted to do well, but people began to bully me. I'd walk into a lesson and be confronted with people shouting, gay, gay, gay. One day they chased me around the playground. I fell really badly and broke my arm. A few years later, I became a Christian and really enjoyed forming a relationship with God. My life had changed, but there were still things I needed to deal with. I still wanted to do well, and when people criticized me, I'd freeze, thinking I'd let them down. I turned to food as a source of comfort and ended up falling into self-harm as a way to cope. It's strange, because I'd given my life to God and I knew I was forgiven, but I was still doing all of these things. There was a day when I was reading the story of Jesus' life and saw how he lived without sin and people still rejected him. When he was put to the cross, he said, it is finished. That resonated with me and I had faith that I could be free from those things by trusting in him. A few years ago, I was on a teacher training and one of the things that they told us about in this teacher training was Maslow's hierarchy of needs. This is fairly well-known sort of theory. It's a way of thinking about sort of human behavior, what motivates us by sort of having a, like a pyramid of different needs. At the bottom, you have the sort of the very fundamental needs, the most basic human needs of all. So you've got stuff down there like air and water and Wi-Fi connection and decent local coffee shop and food and things, things, very basic things like that. And then above that, you have sort of safety and security, and then it gets on to sort of friendship, relational needs and that sort of thing. And at the top, there's something called self-actualization, which I don't completely understand what it is. It sounds like a sort of workshop at a weekend retreat that you could charge people a lot of money to attend. But not wanting to completely undermine Maslow's great work there, I've come up with a more basic way of thinking about needs and desires that we have. Sim more simple theory. Do you want to hear it? This is it. However much stuff you have, you always want more. I think that is a feature of humanity. We have restless hearts. We can be wherever we are on any given scale, but we're, oh, it wouldn't it be nice if I just had this or just that was fixed in my life or it was just a little bit further along with this area. We have restless hearts. And that's exactly what we see in God's people in the story of Exodus that we are journeying through. And so we're going to be thinking about that topic today and how this connects to the way in which God wants to bring transformation to our lives. So we're going to look at the passage right now from Exodus chapter 16. They set out from Elim and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin which is between Elim and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole 
congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked towards the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, finest frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? But they did not know what it was. But Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each one of you, as much as he can eat. You shall each take an omer, according to the number of persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, where they gathered much, had nothing left over, and where they gathered little, had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. And Moses said to them, Let no one leave any of it over till the morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning, and it bred worms and stank. Moses was angry with them. Morning by morning they gathered it, each as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. with a few close friends, a few sort of Christian brothers in the church about my life. And in a similar way that we have been encouraging you to do through this series, unpack what's really going on in your life. And it was a time in my life that was various uh, struggles, various challenges. And so we're talking about how I was getting through that and what God was doing and that sort of thing. 
But one of the things that someone there said, someone who was a few years younger than me, and not at all in an unhelpful way, but he was, I guess he was kind of surprised at what I was saying. And one of the comments that just stuck in my mind was, but you have all the things that I would want. And I guess what he was looking at my life and seeing that maybe the things that he was seeing that he, he would want that I had in terms of, I don't know, being, being married, having children, having a family, owning my own home, or, or just being a full-time church pastor. And I think this is one of the things that we do in life, especially when we're aware of a lack in our lives. We look at other people's lives and think, oh, if I had that, if I just had what they had, if I just did that job or had that relationship or I had that family situation, then everything would be okay. And so it was a surprise to him to hear that, oh, you can have all those things and life is not okay. That there's still struggle and there's still challenge. And that's a dangerous thing to think, oh, if only I had that, then everything would be okay. But we instinctively do that. You see, we all live in the gap. The gap is the difference between what our lives are like and what we would like them to be. And for some of us, we're sort of very acutely aware of the difference there, and it's very painful. For others of us, maybe it's not so acutely painful, but we just sort of day-to-day think, oh, life would be easier if that was the case. We can't help but think in those terms. What do we do with that? What's the solution to that? How can we get to a place where we are content? Because the Bible does say lots about being content. And perhaps maybe if you're a Christian and you're experiencing these things, you're thinking, well, okay, I kind of feel bad to have this restlessness within me. Maybe I should just be content with what I have and maybe sort of push down those uh, desires or uh, just try and suppress, suppress it. But it keeps popping back up again. There's something instinctive, it seems, uh, about it. And maybe we tell ourselves, well, after all, if we're a Christian, Well, Christ has come into our lives. We have the love of God in our lives. The Holy Spirit has come to make his home with us. We're forgiven. We're freed from sin. We've got an eternity with God. Surely that is sufficient to make us feel content in life. Now, isn't that enough for us? And that is what we think. But (laughs) I suppose if we're really honest, we still feel lack. What's What's going on there? This is something that the Israelites are experiencing because for them as well, God has done an amazing thing in their life. God has rescued them. God has saved them. We've seen that over the last couple of weeks as we've journeyed through Exodus. God has rescued them out of Egypt, rescued them out of slavery. And then last week, I talked about how God had brought them miraculously through the Red Sea and crushed their enemies. God had saved them. And yet they were still day-to-day aware of their lack. That despite God's work, life still wasn't what they would want it to be. What do they do? How do they respond to that? Well, we see in this passage that they grumbled. They grumbled to Moses. They were frustrated. And if you're listening to this passage or reading it for yourself, I wonder if, like me, you think, well... In one sense, it, it seem, their grumbling seems quite reasonable. It seems quite legitimate because what they're asking for and what they lack is something that's very basic. They, they just want food. They're hungry. 
You know, what's so bad about that? And also, what is, what is God doing leading them into the wilderness, into a place that they feel hungry and they have real lack, even on Maslow's hierarchy of need, that food is right there at the bottom. So isn't this a legitimate thing? Well, I think it's this everyday, seemingly legitimate desire that we can have that can actually become the most problematic type of desire in our lives and the biggest source of grumbling and discontent. If you recognize yourself in this passage in terms of, well, yeah, there's things that I grumble about, frustrations that I have about my life, I imagine that they are not the fact that you're grumbling that you're not a multimillionaire. You're grumbling over the fact that you don't have a sports car or that you're not in the Bahamas right now. Of course, those things would be nice, of course. But they are not the things that really get under our skin. They are not the things that really grate with us. No, I think the things that really become a problem to us and really cause us to grumble are the things that are more simple or everyday. And actually the things that if we're a Christian, we think God ought to provide this for us. And why is he not? That is the thing, that area of most problem for us. Maybe we struggle with ill health constantly. And say, God, you ought to do something about this. It's easy to grumble. Or maybe it's just life is just generally too hard. It could be a specific thing. It could be just a general thing. You know, we might go, be going through life as a Christian and trying to follow God. And we think, well, I've tried to make good decisions. I've tried to do the right thing. But still, life is harder than I would like it to be. It's just, this is a challenge, whether it's money, whether it's family, whether it's employment. Maybe we don't have a job or maybe we don't have the right job. Or it's just a source of frustration to us. And we're trying to follow Jesus. But we're thinking, these things are just a frustration. God, you ought to do something about this. What's going on there is that there is a sense of entitlement. We, if we really analyze it, we feel that God owes us certain things. And when we feel that, it can create a sort of grumbling attitude within us. And really what I want to push this idea further with you and say, what does your grumbling actually look like? Because I'm not, when I'm talking about grumbling here, I'm not just talking about being sort of frustrated, having a sort of emotional response to it. What we do is we actually act on this when we feel lack. And what I want to talk about here is a cycle that we can get ourselves into. And I know it happens in my life. When we experience this lack... We experience a difference between what we would like our lives to be and what it actually is. And we couple that with feeling that God is not coming through for us. God is not doing the things we want him to do. And we're in a position, it's difficult to trust God, that God is really for us. We think, oh, God's forgotten about us. And our grumbling is not just feeling frustrated. We reach out to things around us for comfort. When we feel that lack, we want a sense of consolation. When God is, seems far away, we want something that is tangible and close. And what we do is that we grab at things around us. When we don't connect those deep desires in our heart to faith in God, they become problematic in our lives. 
And in this cycle, when we do that, when we reach to things around us and we sort of, I'm going to take matters into my own hand because God is not providing here. That becomes a problem. We get into more sin and actually that leads us to more discouragement. And then actually the gap even widens and we can get into a cycle. Now, I realize in saying that, that's very sort of conceptual. So let me just give a few examples of the type of thing that I mean. In the, in the written material that went along with this series, I, I gave some examples of different people and what it, this looked like in their lives. So let me talk to you about them. So we have Pete. Pete is someone who has a very busy life and many pressures on him. And so what he feels that he really needs, that he lacks, is peace. He just wants some peace, just wants some space, just wants some quiet. And he's missing that in his life. And so when he gets home at the end of a day, he just wants to peace and quiet. But when he gets home, what he has is kids that don't give him peace. <laughs> They're disobedient, they have their own agenda, they demand his attention. And that's what kids do, <laughs> that, that's kids for you. But because he is longing for peace and peace is the thing that he really feels he lacks, when his kids are disruptive and are disobedient, it pushes him straight into real anger. He gets so frustrated, not just at their behavior, but actually what's going on in his heart. They are robbing him of his entitlement towards peace. And he gets angry and he gets frustrated. And so by the time it gets to the end of the day, he just is still longing for that peace. And so it's easy to grab that glass of wine or bottle of beer, whatever it is, because those things, I just want that peace. And actually what can happen is develop a dependence, an unhealthy relationship with something material because we're after something that's deep in our hearts. Another example might be uh, a lady called Michelle. Now, Michelle... All she wants, again, a reasonable desire is to have a nice home. She wants home to be a place that she can enjoy. Part of her story, she's like that. And so she wants to make her home just a place that she can enjoy, that she can host other people. But she's in a job that it's difficult to earn enough money to invest in her home. So, but she's very motivated. She wants this. She feels she likes it and she wants it. And so what she does is she takes on extra shift. And she works harder and harder and takes on extra shift after extra shift in order to get more money. And when that paycheck comes in, it's like, yes, I'm on my way. I'm doing it. But what happens is she works and works and works to the point of exhaustion. And that becomes an even bigger problem in her life. And so what I'm seeing here is the ways in which our legitimate desires, when they're not connected with faith in God, can become problematic in our lives. Let me give you a couple more examples. Now, Maria, for example, she, she wants love, affection in her life. And she's married. And so that's a very reasonable thing to expect. But what her experience is, is that her husband, well, he doesn't love her like he should. And she feels ignored and she feels underappreciated. She experiences that lack at home. And so when she's at work and when a colleague, another guy starts to show her some attention and affection even, it's easy for her head to get turned because there, this guy is offering something that I feel that my husband should provide for me. God should have provided for me in this relationship, but he's not. And so she gets pulled in that direction. 
And the final example I'll give you is, is uh, Kenny. Now, Kenny is someone who, he just wants friendship. He just wants to be connected with people. Again, very legitimate desire, you could say. But what happens in his life is, well, the people he knows, the people he is friends with, they're mostly all married, and he feels that they don't have time for him. And so often he feels he's left completely uh, alone and even rejected, and that sort of compounds his sense of isolation. And so the comfort that he reaches for is just to stay up late into the evening, into the night and just escape into playing computer games for hours on end and just escape into that world. And then even looking at stuff online that he shouldn't do. But he's drawn to it because he feels a lack. He feels isolated. And that, just escaping into that world, brings some sort of comfort. That's the kind of thing that I'm talking about. How our everyday desires can lead us into problematic places and even habits that become destructive in our lives... And it's all started from a place of, it seemed quite reasonable. This is what happens when it's not connected to faith in God. So what's God's solution here? What's God's solution to our restless hearts, to our sense of entitlement and the grumbling that's not just words, but actually moves into action as well? Well, let me say a few things before I finish today. When we look at this passage, I think one of the reasons that it demonstrates to us that the Israelites are not a good light in one sense. They're they're showing that they are restless and they're unhappy about life. The Bible does underline that this, this happens in life. We all have restless hearts. And the Bible story is that those restless hearts are not actually going to be completely satisfied until we're in eternity with Christ that God has a solution, but ultimately is satisfied in us fully connecting with God and us being free from the brokenness of the world and the brokenness of our lives. That even if we are saved, even if Christ has forgiven us, we still experience day to day. And it's important to remember that. I'm going to go on to talk about how Christ does satisfy our hearts, but I don't want to over-promise something the Bible doesn't promise. Actually, in this life, before Christ comes again or we meet Christ in eternity, we will have disappointments. We will have dissatisfaction. We will have temptation. And I say that because we can instinctively feel when we have that lack that God is somehow withholding from us. Well, I'm feeling lack. That's because God doesn't love me. Well, no. That's what life is like in the wilderness, the brokenness of the world. And it's, it's not right to cause that to cause suspicion towards God. Now, God is involved, but also we have to remember we are living in a broken world. That's the first thing I want to say. The second thing I want to say is to address this sense of entitlement. And it's important that we diagnose the entitlement that is going on in our hearts. In those moments when we most feel our lack, the ways in which our life is not what we want it to be and we get frustrated about that and we're tempted to clutch at other things, we need to analyse that and think, why do I feel like this? Why am I so frustrated about this? And the question is, what do I feel entitled to that is causing me to be frustrated because it's not there? And then question that entitlement. Does God owe me that? The God who has given me life, 
the God who has given me every good thing in life, the God who is the supreme Lord of the universe and me just a created being. God doesn't owe us anything. And again, the sinful temptation is to believe that well, God's you know, withholding stuff from you. No, God is not a God that withholds. And actually the counter to entitlement is to cultivate thanksgiving towards God. To cultivate by remembering and keeping in mind all the things that God has done for us. Because the Bible's truth is, what God has done for us in Christ is way bigger than the lack that we feel. Even the spaces in our lives when we feel our lack is acute and it is painful. Well, it is only, I don't want to minimize it, but it is only temporary. And what we have in Christ is eternal. God is not a God who withholds. And that is true in this passage as well. God provides for them. God is not unaware of their basic needs. He does provide, but he provides in his way and he wants to draw them close to him and remember that he is a God that does care about them. But let's not go down that route of feeling entitled because it only leaves us in bitterness. Cultivating thanksgiving to God is a wonderful place to be. And that's really what I want, where I want to lead us to and end on is actually enjoying and embracing our relationship with God through Christ. It's interesting when you look at this passage and you look at the way in which God provides for the Israelites' need. It's kind of unusual. It's miraculous even. But it also is a solution that requires faith. You see, he provides quail. He provides this, this, uh, this bread, this manna. But the way in which he does it is he says, well, I'm going to provide for today and you're going to have to trust me for tomorrow. And so when I'm reading this, what I'm seeing is that what is top of God's agenda when it comes to our lives is he wants us to deepen our relationship with him. And actually, he is prepared to prioritize that even over every single one of our felt needs being met. And that was a big thing to come to terms with. And again, it taps into this idea of our lives being, are they our story? It's all about us. It's all about our needs. Or do we see our lives in God's big story? And actually what's happening in God's story is God is bringing us and his people more and more into relationship with him. That's what God is doing. You see, the whole journey of the Exodus It is a journey from Egypt to the promised land. But what we realize is actually a journey from being far from God to being in deep relationship with God. And that is what's going on here and what actually what God is doing in our lives as well. God is prepared to let us feel lack because just like in this passage, it's an opportunity for us to deepen our trust and relationship and actually look to him. And draw closer to him. It requires faith for the Israelites. But the way God is ultimately provided for us as well also requires faith. How has God provided for us? He's provided for us in Jesus Christ. He's come into the world to die for sin and bring us into relationship with him. John 6 verse 35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. 
God is not a God that withholds from what we need. Actually, he provides it. But he, ultimately, he provides it in Christ. And when we think about all the different things that are going on in our hearts, our restlessness, what we need to realize is that Christ has provided these things. I mean, I gave it examples of different people before. Pete wanted peace. Is that not something that Christ has come to provide for us? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Michelle wanted a home. Christ has come so that we can be at home with God. We can rest in our relationship with him. Maria wanted love and attention. The Son of God has come into the world so that you might know him, might know his love, that know that he loves you personally. And day to day we have a decision when we feel that lack to actually orientate our hearts and realize not, oh, God is going to provide that for me. No, actually, God actually already has provided that for us if we realize it's what we have in Christ. By the Holy Spirit, I can know that love of God right now as I open the Bible, as I hear his words speak to me, as I experience the Holy Spirit, I'm receiving the love of Christ right now. And again, you know, friendship. That was another example. God's come to us so that we can know him and walk our daily life with him. So rather than us asking God, why are you withholding from me? The way that God wants to bring change to our lives is to change that question. To ask, okay, yes, we feel lack. And we'll always actually will feel lack. But also, what ways, God, what are you teaching me about how Christ has already satisfied my needs, what my heart wants, my restlessness. And how is this an opportunity to deepen my relationship with God? It's an invitation to get to know God more. And so I want to encourage you with that as we close now. To see the lack in our life as an opportunity to know Christ more. But also to cultivate thanksgiving in a way that counters the entitlement that we feel. And finally, to draw close and enjoy Christ because what he has provided is enough to soothe and satisfy our restless hearts.